Our scripture passage on this Palm Sunday morning is from Matthew chapter 21, the first 17 verses. It begins with that traditional story of Jesus entering Jerusalem. And then it continues with what follows, an unexpected pairing of the interaction with Jesus and the money changers uh, in the temple as he turned over their tables. And then as some others, including some children, uh, responded to seeing the, the miracles, the healing that he was performing. Hear now God's word for us this day. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they become angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. This is the word of the Lord. And let us pray. O holy God, by your grace and mercy, continue now to speak your word of truth and love and invitation to each one of us. Whatever distractions, whatever worries or burdens, O oh God, are on our shoulders for these moments in your presence, may we let go of those concerns and continue to simply be present to you. For we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. 
Amen. A man drives to the shopping mall. He drives around and around for quite some time, struggling to find a parking space. Finally, in exasperation, he prays, Lord, I can't stand this. If you open up a space for me, I swear I'll give up drinking and I'll go to church every single Sunday. Suddenly, the clouds part. The sun shines on an empty parking space. Without hesitation, the man looks up to heaven and says, never mind, Lord, I found one. On this Palm Sunday, following his ministry in Galilee, Jesus enters Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his disciples. He has announced many times that he will go to Jerusalem, the center of religious and political power. There's a conflict growing between those with power and the powerless, between the elites and this Galilean non-elite. And in his arrival in Jerusalem, not on a war horse, but on an everyday beast of burden, not wearing armor, but a working person's clothes, he reveals the kind of king that he is. In the manner of a conquering military hero being given a welcome home parade, yet with no weapons, no speeches, no celebrities, none of the elite to welcome him. Instead, there are crowds of common men and women and children. They welcome him, for they have witnessed the miracles he has performed. They have touched the hem of his garment and felt his power. They have seen God's love and God's presence in, in him in a way they've never seen it before. And so they spread their cloaks on the road and cut branches from the trees, including palm branches, and lay them on the road. And they run alongside him and, and cheer for him. They, they shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And that word, Hosanna, just in way of reminder, means save us, intervene for us. Later in the temple, he cures the blind and the lame. Note, he doesn't just stop at offering comfort and kindness. He cures them. And the children witness it. They love it. They are delighted. They are enthralled with him. The religious and political leaders, those sanctioned by the Roman government, those with much to, much to gain by maintaining the status quo, they are angry. They are not delighted. They plot and they plan for their way to stop him. And the part of this story I invite us to take a deeper dive into is something that happens right at the very start. It would be easy to miss it or to move right past it. As they're getting close to Jerusalem, Jesus sends two of his disciples to get the donkey and the colt that he will ride in on. We do not know which two disciples he chooses for the task. Was it one of the top tier disciples, Peter, or James, or John? One of the members of the Bible study 
group suggested, well, maybe it was Judas. We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. What we do know is that he tells these two unnamed disciples to go into the next village and that immediately they will find this donkey tied and a colt with her and they are to bring them to him. And anticipating that the owner of those animals or someone else might have concerns about the animals being commandeered in this way, wanting to get ahead of any possible conflict or delay, Jesus says to these two disciples, if anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them. And they go, and they do just what Jesus has instructed, and that donkey and that colt play a vital role in that celebration of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, for he rides in not on a thoroughbred stallion, not on a powerful war horse that would have been used in battle, and that no common shepherd or fisherman would ever in a lifetime have had enough money to purchase. He rides in on a common donkey, or colt, crowdsourced, provided by a neighbor, symbolizing his humility, his obedience, his humanity, the kind of savior and the kind of king that he is. And I love that moment in the story when he instructs the two disciples, if anyone says anything to you, just tell them the Lord needs them. And what I wonder is, are those four words that our almighty God ever says to us? As we too are called and commissioned to be partners with Christ in carrying out his ministry, does God ever look at us and say to the angels or to all of creation, the Lord needs them? Does he ever look at us and say that? Does Christ need us to fulfill his mission? I think of the three young children and three adults tragically killed on Monday at the Covenant Presbyterian Church Preschool in Nashville, Tennessee. Another school shooting and our hearts are broken and God's heart is broken what can we as people of faith do to bring an end to this exploding crisis of gun violence in our culture? Whatever your politics, whatever your background, might it be a moment where God looks at us and to the angels and to all of creation, God says, the Lord needs them. I think of how the Christian church as a whole continues to be known more and more for what we are against instead of what we are for. In the eyes of many, we are known for the people we push out and exclude instead of the people we embrace and include. And God's heart breaks. Might it be a moment where God looks at us, us here in this community of faith and says, the Lord needs them. 
the fragile planet Earth entrusted to us by God is in trouble. That's hard to deny or debate. For far too long, we humans have viewed it as something to use for our benefit and enjoyment instead of something to care for and steward and hand off better than we found it to the generations that are yet to come. And God looks at us as those who strive to be good stewards of all that God has entrusted to us and says, the Lord needs them. I don't know about you, but when I look at the story of Holy Week, I don't know whether to laugh or to cry as those whom Jesus was counting on to be faithful and to stand firm beside him and carrying out his ministry, abandon him, doze off in their weariness, or in other ways fail to be faithful. I think of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he is betrayed and arrested. He's terrified. He prays, Father, if possible, take this cup, this assignment from me, but not my will. May your will be done. And the disciples who he asks to be with him in this moment of fear, this time of trial, they repeatedly doze off. I think of Peter, his top guy, how he denies Jesus three times. I think of how they all scatter as he's nailed to the cross, afraid to be associated with him, afraid that if they are, they too might be put to death. And when he breathes his last on the cross, it is a Roman centurion, a soldier at the foot of the cross, manning his post, who is the one who makes an unexpected faith statement. Surely this man was God's son. Those who supposedly knew him and loved him most said nothing, for they were nowhere to be found. And on Easter morning, it is just the two women, don't forget that important detail in the story of all those dearest to him, of all those who've been part of, of his group who followed him from day one. It is just two women who have the courage to go to the cemetery with a plan of caring for his body. Most of the disciples are hidden in their homes, scared, anxious, not wanting to put themselves at risk. Eugene Peterson once wrote, God speaks the decisive word that puts us on the way, the road, the path of life. The Hebrew word for Bible is a noun formed from the verb to call. The Bible is not a book to carry around and read for information on God, but a voice to listen to. This word of God is not at root a word to be read and looked at and discussed. It is a word to be listened to and obeyed, a word that gets us going. Fundamentally, Peterson writes, it is a call. God calls us. Last Sunday, our closing hymn was one of my favorites, and one of the verses goes like this. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. 
What I wonder is when we sing those beautiful words, and I've shed tears singing them. When we sing those words, do we really mean it? Our hurting and broken world is so in need of the healing and the hope of our loving God. The question is, who among us will be bearers of that healing? Who among us will be bearers of that hope? Even when it's dangerous and difficult, even when we don't know what the path ahead will bring or what it will require of us, even when it is countercultural or unpopular or just plain inconvenient to follow the road Jesus calls us to. Does God ever look at us? Even though we are all imperfect, we all fall short. We all bring a mixture of faith and doubt, of being energized and of being weary. Does God look at us and say, the Lord needs them? Does he ever look at us and say that? Does he need us to fulfill his mission?